Thank you. Good morning. Glad to be here. How many remembered to change their clocks this morning? So, <clears throat> did you forget? <laughs> That's one way to get people to church on time. Um, all right. Well, we've been speaking about is it relative and relativism and, and living uh, morally in an amoral world. Um, would you join with me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for your grace. Lord, uh, that we can come into your presence through worship and singing, but we can also uh, come into your presence and into a greater awareness of you through your word. So, Father, I ask that your anointing would be here to help me communicate what you've laid on my heart and open our hearts and minds to, to receive your truth in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, Jesus said in John 14:6, and this is a very familiar verse, He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so he makes a very bold and very straightforward uh, uh, point here that he is the truth. He is the way. And a claim to exclusiveness. And that he is the way, not just a way. And later in his life, when he's being tried, Pilate, the governor, uh, asks Jesus, uh, really, almost mockingly, when Jesus referred to the truth, uh, Pilate says, what is truth? And turned and walked out of the room and actually went in front of the crowd and, and said, I find, no, uh, no, I find nothing wrong in him. He's innocent. And, and Pilate's understanding of truth is relativism. It's, it's not a new theory. Pilate disagreed with Jesus' definition of truth, but he didn't find anything wrong with Jesus. And so he was, he was a relativism. And um, that's a common philosophical idea in our day, and, and it's, it's sometimes difficult to know how to answer uh, the idea of relativism. It's relative. What's true for you may not be true for me. And I went into the definition of what that theory is. Uh, today I'm going to talk more, a little more in depth to how to understand truth from a biblical perspective. But first I need to touch on four different um, uh, views of the, of the idea of truth itself. These are four different ways to look at truth. The first is philosophical, the second is logical, the third moral, and then religious. And philosophical I'm going to talk a little bit more about. It's kind of the category that we're, we're discussing. And <clears throat> this series is a little more philosophical and bent, so please bear with me. Um, but uh, a philosophical truth is simply the accurate and adequate idea of existence as ultimate reality. In other words, a, to understand truth in a philosophical way, you're seeking to understand what is the accurate and adequate idea of existence or ultimate reality. And that's the truth that, that Pilate was referring. What is truth? Who can know it? Um, in Scripture, this idea is never what is meant by the word truth. In other words, Scripture doesn't handle truth as though it's something that we have to um, uh, uh, figure out, uh, an idea uh, or a way to understand existence. It's actually uh, presupposed. In other words, throughout Scripture, the ability to grasp truth is uh, presupposed. And in other words, Scripture is written as truth. And it doesn't actually try to convince anyone. It just declares, this is the truth. 
Um, and philosophical truth is really dependent on a person's philosophical theory, the theory that uh, an individual ascribes to. Relativism is one of many theories, philosophical uh, theories of how the universe exists and, and how we are to come to a, a grasp and understanding it. And so if you argue philosophical truth, you will end up arguing for a long time because there's no end to the different theories and different, you know, <laughs> categories within the theories. And there's a, a, for the last century, a little more than a century, there's this idea of deconstructionist. And someone brought up that, uh, I really need to mention this, and I think it's important, is that this, this trend in, in um, philosophy and, and really in, in society of deconstructionists is basically trying to remove all of the cultural references out of uh, something. So if it's a philosophical argument, well, you have to take out, you have to deconstruct uh, your argument and remove things that are just, you know, uh, Anglo-Saxon because we're coming from a Western frame of mind. And, you know, we've been brought up in a uh, society that's influenced by Christian, uh, Judaic Christian beliefs. So let's let's remove all those influences. And there, but there's a point of deconstructionism where if you remove all of the references to uh, culture and language, you end up with nothing. You, know, you get to the point where you deconstruct to the point where it all falls apart. And uh, I actually think that it, it's the wrong way to look at truth. It's the wrong way to look at understanding that our cultural grid, as you, if you will, the, the grid through which we understand things, the, the cultural framework <clears throat> actually enables us to grasp things beyond our culture. All right? this, this really happens every day. In fact, it's an essential part of life. I think it's one of our strengths. Think of it. It's bridging the gap between perspectives. All right? And so if I'm talking to someone that grew up in the, in the Far East and we're communicating, even if it's through a translator or through uh, uh, things that have been written and then translated in the languages we both understand, we can gain a greater understanding precisely because of our cultural framework. And so the cultural grid becomes uh, something that is a, a benefit and not a weakness. <clears throat> it helps us. It's a, it's a strength, this, this act of being able to overcome and incorporate and understand it. And when you think about how uh, the, the world, you know, we don't struggle to understand things and to discuss and to delve into scientific truth just because we cult- have cultural differences. You know, there's 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 uh, physicists that are uh, Chinese that don't speak English, but they're still working on uh, uh, trying to understand how uh, uh, physics work and black holes and dark matter and dark energy. That's not an obstacle. Their point of view actually helps them see things uh, that we may miss. And in the same way with philosophical truth, different points of view are not to be. It's, it's actually I was thinking earlier, it's almost a racist uh, idea that we have to remove our cultural influences. W- what we really need to do is respect them and say they each help us get a b- better understanding. <clears throat> and so philosophers that um, like to uh, emphasize or teach or believe on relativism, you can pick, put up the picture, they compare it to um, a number of blind people coming up and encountering an elephant. 
And, uh, you know, and, and there's this big elephant, and we'll just pretend that the elephant is standing still and not making any noise or breathing. <laughs> you know, and I say, you know, one person touches it, and they think it's a, it's a tree trunk, and another person touches the side, and... Boy, it's like a wall, and another one grabs its its uh, tail, and it's like a snake or the the ear, and it's like a fan. And uh, people who are uh, proponents of relativism say that, well, uh, like Jesus and and Buddha and Muhammad, and these were all very wise people, but they were only seeing part, you know, and 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 they could only describe the part that they were experiencing, and they they weren't aware that. Uh, each was seeing a part of something that was a, a greater whole. And none of, none of them were able to see the entire things. Um, and it sounds good. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, each person sees a part, but none of them are able to see the whole. And so Jesus was convinced of his and, and, and Buddha of his perspective, but, but they, didn't, they didn't consider that, that there were, there's other parts to this. But that falls apart real quickly. When you say, oh, are you saying that people like Jesus and, and Buddha and uh, Muhammad and other leaders that transformed entire civilizations were not wise enough to understand this simple principle that you can explain to a four-year-old child? How can we understand this so easily? And you're saying these people with such great influence and such great wisdom, what they missed that? It's frankly ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. And it's arrogant. No, Jesus understood when he said, I am the way. All right? And so did the other. They understood the idea of relativism, even though they didn't use that word. But they made exclusive claims. Why? Because there is a truth that can be grasped. There are truths that um, uh, are greater than any one cultural framework. And it was those truths, those, those uh, self-sufficient, uh, self-existing realities that they were expressing. And this idea of, of, of blind people uh, um, encountering an elephant is is an arrogant response and it demeans those other people you know to think that oh we we see the picture better than everybody else no it's better to say they understood and they were proclaiming what they believed to be true and let's respect their opinion of what is true and decide whether or not we agree with their opinion or not it doesn't it isn't better to say well they all are equally true because that is disrespecting their ability to understand something as simple as this illustration. So philosophical truth is one way to understand truth. Logical truth is actually a different thing. Uh, and they, of course, all of these overlap. <clears throat> Logical truth is that something is true if the concept corresponds with the facts. Just the facts, ma'am. Sergeant Friday, just the facts, ma'am. <laughs> uh, and nobody remembers that. <laughs> Logical truths are truths which are considered to be necessarily true. This is to say that they are considered to be such that they could not be untrue um, and, and no situation could arise which would cause us to reject a logical truth. It's something just based in logic. Um, something like that wall is white. Okay, it's just that's 
and it's just a statement of fact. Um, the law of non-contradiction is, a, is actually a, physical, philosophy, uh, a logical statement applied to philosophy, and that something cannot be true and untrue at the same time. Uh, it cannot contradict. Something cannot be true if it's, if it's contradictory in nature. Um, but this idea of logical truth is a very important. Uh, logic is very important in all aspects of life. But it's not what the, how the Bible handles truth. Again, the Bible is not interested in trying to argue logically with uh, uh, the people that are reading it, with you as we read it, or with culture. It is a declaration. <clears throat> it's actually a story of people encountering a very real God and how it affected them. And so the third type of truth is moral truth. And then you have uh, 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 different types of relativism. Moral relativism is the one that is the most influential. And moral truth is the primary sense that Scripture uses uh, and addresses the idea of truth. So moral truth. Moral truth is the correspondence of expression with inner conception. What I mean by that is, what's that? Say that again. again. That's a quote from a a dictionary, by the way. The correspondence of expression with inner conception. In other words, there's there's a moral consistency between what you express, whether verbally or non-verbally, and what you uh, conceive within you. It's the opposite of a lie, where you express something that is contradictory to what you believe or, or feel. But if it corresponds, it's true. It's morally accurate. Um, some scriptures that kind of line up, I believed and therefore I spoke. And so what I expressed was consistent. It corresponded with what I believed. Or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so inwardly and outwardly. There's a correspondence of, uh, correspondence. That means they, they, uh, the two things correspond. They line up. Of thought and intention. Alright, so our intention and our ideas correspond of concrete reality and ideal type. In other words, there's a correspondence between the ideal that you're talking about, say the ideal of purity, the ideal of abstinence, or the ideal of, 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 of integrity, and, and, and concrete reality. In other words, we can actually live that way. It can be it can be um, the rea- the ideal can be realized or grasped in real life. All right? it, there's a correspondence. It's not something um, <clears throat> uh, just random. Something is uh, moral truth is something is true inwardly and outwardly. Uh, something is true in a moral sense when it aligns to external reality and internal motive and intent. Okay, so again, it's it, a lot has to do with moral. Okay, we're talking about moral morality. Okay? Uh, in other words, that our what we do, our actions and our behaviors are consistent with our beliefs. What's going on in the inside is consistent with what's on the outside, and that there's not um, immoral things like deception or. Uh, um, um, uh, fraud uh, uh, and, and different ways that, and, and lust and murder and, and all that deceitfulness is, is the opposite. But when, when our insides and our outsides are, are in correspondence, then we are acting in truth. Now, we can still be in error. All right? 
in a moral sense. And that's where something inwardly doesn't correspond with the external reality. And so there can be error. All right? And that's where repentance comes in. I'm going to talk more, a little more about uh, the biblical understanding of truth. But it's about being whole. Moral truth is about being whole, complete, consistent, fulfilled in our identity and purpose, uh, inwardly in relation to ourselves. So your heart, soul, and spirit are, are in correspondence that they're true. You're submitted to truth. And then outwardly in relation to others and ultimately to God. So both inwardly and outwardly in relations to one another and in relation to God, uh, there is, a, there is a, an alignment. There's not uh, uh, fragmentation. There's not uh, 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 misrepresentation. There's not uh, uh, um, a lack of reality. It's, it's, it aligns. It corresponds with... Yes? What I'm saying is that there's, you can look at truth philosophically, you can look at truth logically, or you can look at truth morally. And the Bible is primarily considered not with the philosophical arguments, not with mere logical arguments, but it's concerned with being true morally. And that your inward and outward are consistent, both inwardly consistent and externally consistent. Inwardly consistent is that you're you're aligned properly with yourself. Okay, uh, you're not living duplicitously. You're not double-minded. Externally consistent, and that you're aligned properly with existence, with the reality, with that which is, whether you believe it or not. Okay, so aligned with absolutes, and, th- and you'll understand it more when I go through this next part. Three ideas about biblical truth. Because this is where it gets down to some real meat here. Um, three ideas. The first idea about Bib- oh, the fourth, the fourth uh, type of uh, truth is religious truth. And that's just a made-up term. It's a rather modern term. And it has no basis in reason and none at all in the Bible. And so people say, well, that's religiously true. As though something can be religiously true or false and not be philosophically, logically, or morally true is this absolute nonsense. It's a way to to believe in something or express something without any accountability. All right? So religious truth is a modern idea, and all truth is religious truth. Does that make sense? And so it, it actually is just ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> it's a non-issue. So there's three ideas about biblical truth that if you understand these, there's a lot more, but these are the three I want to focus on because it changes the discussion. When you're talking to a relativist, you can't just argue relativism versus absolutism. Okay? Because that's not the argument. Right? It's the wrong question. That's why they can't answer it. Truth is revelation. Alright? Truth is not something separate, self-contained. Truth is not a standard by which we judge things and God. And this is radically different than the, every, most everybody in the world, all right? Every other philosophy or ideology. 
Because they're trying to understand truth, and you're saying, wait a minute, no, truth is not some self-existent, self-contained substance or list of ideas by which we judge. There's not like, if we understand truth, then we can say, is God true? No, that's, that's just not the way it works. Truth is revelation. Well, well what do you mean by that? <clears throat> okay. God is not subject to truth in this sense. If, if so, truth would be greater than God. All right? Truth is true because it's fi- it finds its meaning and definition in the person of God. What is true is not like a description that matches reality. It's the revelation. It's what reveals God. And so you change what you're, how you talk. You don't enter into the conversation because you go, you know what? I believe truth is revelation. What do you mean by that? I mean that it is, <clears throat> let me read this. In the Bible, the known, this is a quote from a dictionary. In the Bible, a uh, uh, theological dictionary. In the Bible, the known will of God is final for man as a standard of truth, not as arbitrary. In other words, truth, the definition of truth is not some arbitrary thing that we just made up, like a, a definition of a word in a dictionary, but as expressive of God's nature. God's nature is all comprehensive of fact and goodness, and so is all and in all the source, support, and ob- objective of all concrete being. Okay? Everything exists, both philosophically, in idea, in emotion, and in material existence in reference to God or as an expression of God or as a revelation of God. The will of God thus reveals, persuades to, and achieves the ideals and ends of complete existence. I'm going to explain this a little more. The term truth is sometimes, therefore, nearly equivalent to the revealed will of God. Alright? And so, the way I understand truth is not some perfect ideology or philosophy by which we can judge things to be accurate or not, but truths or manifestations, expressions of the person of God. That which is true accurately reveals the nature and character of God. That which is not true obscures or manipulates the nature and character of God. Okay? And so, to understand truth, you have to have a reference point. And a relativist says everyone has different reference points. But the Bible says God is the reference point of all truth. And everything, whether it be an idea or an object, any object whatsoever, gains its meaning and has its existence because it expresses some part, some aspect of God. It's directly connected to the person and the character of God. Now, people who think that they're their own God apply this to themselves. And so... <clears throat> My truth may not be your truth, which is relativism, is basically saying that they're the definition of what is true 
or what is not true. And basically, that's believing the lie that the serpent told Eve in the garden. Eat this and you'll know uh, both good and evil. You'll be like God. Are you seeing this? In other words, a relativist says, my perception of truth is what's, what's true. Your perception of truth is what's true. And so basically, we're God's. And the Bible says, no, there's this person called God. And everything has its truth when it is understood as it relates to God. And not to some arbitrary list of ideas. Truth is personalized. So the first thing is, think of all truth as a revelation. And you understand the revelation accurately when it accurately represents the character and nature of God. Okay, truth is revelation. Think about that. Really take time to think, what does that mean? How, how is truth revelation? How can I understand truth as revelation? The second is truth is personal. It's personalized. Primarily, we see this in the person of Jesus Christ. He truly expresses God. Uh, he presents the true ideal of man in himself. He summarizes the harmony of existence, and becomes the agent for unifying the disordered world. Hence, He is the truth, the true expression of God. And so when Jesus said, I am the truth, He's not saying, I am like the truth. He's not saying, I represent the truth. He's not saying, I present the truth. He's not saying, I teach the truth. He's saying, I am the truth. And if you don't accept Him... You can't understand any other idea. You can't experience any other object reality in its right way. It is obscured by disbelief. But when you accept He is truth, and through Him, all of the universe, it actually says, is held together, the only way that we can understand ideas or even objects and have relationship with the material world or the ethereal world, the world of ideas and thoughts and, and beliefs, is through the person of truth. Jesus didn't just teach truth. And so if you're discussing truth with someone, you don't want to argue ideas about truth. You want to present the person, Jesus Christ. And that the accurate Christian response to relativism is not absolutism. Okay? Which is just a philosophical uh, a viewpoint in the world that there are absolutes. No. The response to relativism is Jesus Christ. Come. Jesus Christ transformed how I see and understand everything. Well, Jesus Christ was like a blind man. Says, Jesus Christ is the truth. And unless you accept Him as truth, you will never understand the created universe. He created the elephant. You know? He holds the, the molecules in the elephant's body together. And until you accept this, it's revelation. Until you, until you accept this revelation, you'll never understand. You'll, you'll only be arguing the minutiae of what truth is. Uh, there's a couple of scriptures. In the beginning when it was the Word, the Word was with God and the Word was God. Speaking of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, the, uh, or another place, John 1.17, says the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So truth is not 
immaterial. It's personal. It's personal. Listen, everything in life is personal. Alright? And so, when philosophers argue about ideas, their premise is wrong. So, everything they say is skewed because they're not talking about personhood and identity and relationship. Because that's really what it's all about. Because Jesus is the truth. And we have to understand, we have to take that point of reference and work backward from that. Rather than having some ideas about what is true and what's not true and trying to force our understanding onto the Scripture. Third thing is, third big idea, biblical truth, is truth is experienced. Alright? It is primarily something to be realized, not intellectually, but experienced as real. That's what the word realized means. When something that you didn't think was real, all of a sudden you understand this is real. Okay? Have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? You know, it's a nice idea until you're standing on the edge of it and you go, how many have been there? You know what I'm talking about. It's real. So, truth is experienced. Something to be realized and done rather than something to be learned or known. This is, this is a great sentence here. Truth is God's nature finding expression in His creation. Whether in idea or an object. Or understanding an objective thing like water or food. Truth in the biblical sense is not primarily an intellectual affair to be learned, but essentially a, voluntarily, a voluntary, willful experience. In other words, real truth has to do with the will, not just the intellect. All right? <clears throat> and duty to be done for the glory of God and in realization of the complete truth or nature of God. It's not a set of propositions. Propositional truth. And there's a, there's, there, propositions are, are good. Propositions are like, <clears throat> um, uh, propositions are statements of facts. Okay? Whatever it be. Uh, men are different than women. Alright? It's just true. Men are different than women, just on a physical sense. If you, you live in it only to that. Or, uh, <clears throat> uh, so propositions are, are helpful, but a proposition is only true if it aligns to the nature and character of God. And understanding real truth doesn't start with learning all the propositions, but meeting the person. Okay? And so, even in your own mind, when you're think, trying to figure out an answer to philosophical understanding, you have to not just go through ideas, but bring it to the person of Jesus Christ. How is this dealt with in Jesus' life? Or how, is it, uh, how does it interact with the nature and character of God? And from that, you can have an understanding of how to respond to that influence in your life. I don't know if this is helping anyone. Truth is experienced. Um, <clears throat> it's not a series of propositions to be accepted or contended for, but in the subjective way of experience, in a series of ideals to be realized and propagated. This is the reality. 
Jesus Christ is the truth. If anyone wishes to do God's will, he will be able to decide the truth. Let me just read John seven seventeen. Jesus says, if anyone wills to do his will, God's will, he shall know concerning the doctrine or the truth, whether it's from God. In other words, the will comes before the know. If anyone wills to do his will, then he shall know. You'll understand once you submit. Once you come into right relationship with God, then there's revelation. Oh, this is how it works. Okay? And I'm talking kind of big idea, philosophical ideas, but this applies. And we're going to, next week we're going to talk about how it applies to things like having sex outside of marriage and uh, uh, using illegal substances or abusing alcohol and other things. Uh, all of these things boil down to real life. Okay? And if you understand how they connect to truth in, in the big picture, you'll understand how to live morally in a world that rejects morality and rejects right and wrong. Understanding truth in this way uh, makes it more, more real to life. Okay? Uh, understanding truth as personal, as um, experiential, as revelation, actually is more the way we really live. All right? Look at mankind. Most things, most things we do because of, of emotion and relationship, not just because they're written down in a book. Right? That's what really motivates. It's love that makes the world go around. Right? Not some philosophy written in a book somewhere. It's love. And you'll do things that, that, that are unreasonable. Motivated out of love. A person will, will, will go to his death willingly out of love for someone else. Why? Because love is what it's all about. Relationship. Uh, revelation. It reflects uh, the nature, the person of God. Now, the reason this is so important <clears throat> is... I've got to get to this. <clears throat> if ultimate truth is the expression of the person of God, and, and the only way to understand truth is not some philosophical idea or some definition in some book or some equation by which we can figure out everything, but it's through relationship with an individual, a person who happens to be God. Okay? <clears throat> what that means, if you can see the connection, is that actually gives value to each person. And what relativism tries to do by saying everybody's ideas are equally valid and fails by saying, well, likewise, everybody's idea is equally wrong because there is no objective truth. God actually does by saying, because I am a person and you are a person, you have value. Because value is not based in your ideas or your abilities, but the fact that you exist and that you are a being created in God's image. And it invests each individual with the highest level of value and importance and significance, regardless of their abilities or their ideas 
or the, even their mental abilities. Okay? It means that each life has purpose. And life isn't random. Why? Because God isn't random. Think of it as God is a father. Relativism is the ultimate in orphan thinking. Everybody, if I was a father and I had ten kids, and I said, okay, ten kids, you're on your own, figure it out, you're all equally right, and I left town. I would not be a loving father. But as a father, if I said, John, what you did was wrong, because the consequences will hurt you and hurt your, your sister there, and this is a way to make it right. That's a loving father. Alright? That's true. Relativism is orphan thinking. Because they're, why? Because they're orphans in the Spirit. And Christianity is not absolutism. Especially if it's pre- presented as my ideas about God are absolutely true. That's equally as arrogant. But it's God as a person is the truth. And when you have relationship with Him, you will understand truth. Because when I got relationship with Him, I understood truth. Does that make sense? And it's not me forcing my truth onto you, but it's inviting you into a relationship with truth. And that's radically different than arguing a philosophical uh, debate. Adam has some announcements, and he's going to lead us in communion.